bit about this series as we jump into it. This is part one. I don't know how many parts we're actually going to have to this series because there's so much to cover. Literally, uh, Kaylee Hoffman said this morning when we were meeting to pray before we came out, she said she got up this morning and she was considering the trees and this series that we're beginning and just all that... All the different ways trees are mentioned in scripture. And I did the exact same thing. I've been doing that now for a while. And as I reflect, as I said a moment ago, there are so many references to trees throughout scripture. It would be impossible to cover all of them. There's trees planted by the water. There's the cedars of Lebanon. There's all these different distinct Christ hung on a tree. Judas was hanged on a tree. One was hung and one was hanged hanged himself. So there's, uh, there's so much to be said about the trees. There's the fig trees. There's the pomegranate trees. There's the cedars. There's the balsams. There's the, and all throughout scripture, there's the oaks that are referred to as reference points for man. They give lessons to man. So in this series, what I want to do is I want to explore the lessons that we can draw from what the trees teach us. There's a reason. Again, the father put these in scripture. Let's find out what some of those reasons are. Let's dig into the principles of those. So what will we learn? We will learn that trees stand as a witness. They stand as a witness. Everybody say a witness. witness. Trees stand as a witness to everything that is going on around us. They testify of everything that is going on around us. They are the proverbial fly on the wall. How many times have you ever said, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that situation? Meaning this. That if I were a fly on the wall, I would one, be unnoticed. It wouldn't, I would not be obvious. But I would be privy to what ever happened in that moment. Trees are that way. They are so abundant that they can easily go unnoticed, yet they are privy to everything that is happening around them. And there is a distinct relationship between trees and people throughout scripture. I want to read a statement that a German poet made named Hermann Hesse, and he said this. He said, trees are sanctuaries. When we have learned to listen to trees, that is home, and that is happiness. Let me say it again. He said, trees are sanctuaries. When we have learned to listen to trees, that is home, and that is happiness. It was just a few years ago that uh, my wife and I and my brother and sister-in-law, we enjoy the national parks. We like to visit national parks. They're fascinating. You know, people travel all over the world to see things. And right here in our backyard for a portion of the cost, you can go and you can see so much beauty. And each national park is like entering into a country of its own. They are so unique, each one. You don't have to go to Italy, and you don't have to go to Europe, and you don't have to go to wherever it might be that you go. You simply can drive into the next state, and it's as though you have gone into another place. So we enjoy these parks. In fact, this last week we went on vacation. We went up to Wyoming and Montana. And we were able to enjoy the beautiful parks that were there, the Grand Tetons, Yellowstone. And then we went up to uh, Montana, northern part of Montana, just about uh, eight miles away from the Canada border. And we stayed at Glacier National Park. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. We saw grizzly bear. We saw uh, mountain goats. We saw, uh, the, the, I keep calling them rams, but um, bighorn sheep. We saw everything. You, you name it, we saw it. If it's alive, we pretty much saw it. Um, and... 
some of those things that were alive, Jimmy pretty much pet it. So, but they were there. So it was a beautiful, beautiful place, and, and we were able to explore that. But a few years ago, we went out to California, and we enjoyed for a week, or not even a week, we enjoyed for a little less than a week, uh, Sequoia National Forest. We went to several parks, but we went to Sequoia. And when we got there, when you go into Sequoia National Forest and you begin to drive up the mountain, and the further up you go, the bigger the trees get, climate changes, everything changes. Everything changes. The way everything looks, the trees start out, they're smaller, the, big, the higher you go, the bigger they get. They get so large, in fact, there are trees, it's probably safe to say they're nearly as big around as this room is. Look around this room. You can drive cars, they drive semis through them. That's how big, and they're still alive. So it gives you a picture of how big they are, and I don't remember the, one that, the name of the one that they had there, but it's so massive, and when you look up at it, and the height of the tree, you can't help but ask yourself, what have you seen? What have you witnessed? How much of this geographic location have you watched change over the years? You were before the park was. Who's the first visitor you saw? How did they react to your magnificence? And when you look at these, you can't help but begin to ask questions. And you pass from this one to that one. And each, uh, or not every, but many of the trees have little stories in front of them that tell their age and, and what they've, uh, when they were there and how, when they were first noticed and something specific about those trees. And you move among them and you are totally engulfed. I mean, it, it just draws you in to that tree and it feels like a living being. In fact, if you get close enough to these trees that are so large and you stare at them long enough, they begin to look like they sway to you. However you move, it literally appears as though they are moving with you. It's so incredible to see the majestic nature of Yahweh God and what he does and what he can do in nature. So I pulled up a few of the trees that are the longest living in the world today, just to give you some kind of reference point as to how much a tree might actually know to be able to tell. So I pulled out of the top 10, three of the oldest trees in the world are right here in the United States. And I pulled those three out. One of them is right down the road in Longwood. The senator in Longwood, Florida is 3,500 years old. Okay, grab that with me. Three, and, and it's only, it is on the list of 10, it is number 10. Give you an idea. In Longwood, Florida, go see it. The senator is 3,500. That's 3,500 years. That is 35 times 100. That is 3,500 times 1. That is one year of your life 3,500 times. What has that tree seen? And then I went to number five called Prometheus in Nevada, and it is 4,900 years old. 4,900 year old tree. 4,900 year old tree. What stories could that tree tell? If that tree could talk, what would it say? Does it talk? And then, number one, 
pando, how many have ever heard of the pando tree? All right, guess this is going to blow your mind. True story. Pando in Fish Lake National Forest in Utah is over 80,000 years old. Over 80,000 years. What has Pando seen? What stories could that tree tell to you and me? Consider it. That tree existed. There were peoples that are on continents today that were not on continents yet. There were uninhabited places that had never even seen the kinds of trees that are in those geographical locations. It's crazy. Trees. Say it with me. Trees are intentional. They are God's design. Now, I've said this before. I said it last week when I was introducing this series. I said, you know, it's possible that I could be considered a tree hugger. I'm not a tree hugger by definition that social groups give it. But I am a tree hugger in the sense that I appreciate creation of Yahweh. I take it very seriously when I look into the first testament in Genesis and I take it very seriously when I'm given the order by the father to rule and reign over all of his creation over over all the earth when he says to me the tree deserves your care and attention when he says to me the land deserves your care and attention when he says to me the beasts of the field deserve your care and attention when he says to me the fish of the sea deserve your care and attention. When he says to me, the fowls of the air deserve your care and attention, I take that very seriously. So it might be said, some might say, well, you must be a tree hugger. You're, you're worried about how much paper we make and how many trees get cut down and what have you and so on and so forth. You know, I believe, maybe it could be argued, but I believe that I have a pretty good balance. I don't want someone cutting down a tree just because they can cut, up, cut down a tree. I don't want someone shooting a bird just because they got a new BB gun. I don't want someone catching a fish and just throwing it up on the shore and letting it die. When we were in Yellowstone National Park, my son and I, some years ago, uh, with my family, but my son and I went out to fly fish, and we went to get our license at the ranger station in Yellowstone. And when we went in to get the license, the ranger there, he gave us the license. I needed one, Josh did not, but he gave us the license, but he gave us this instruction. He said, if you catch a lake trout, doesn't matter how big it is, if you're not, even if you don't eat it, throw it up on the shore and let it die. And at first... The sound of that sounded, man, that just sounds cruel. I don't even know if I could watch that fish. Just, I wouldn't do that anyway. I'd just pop its head or break its neck or whatever. But, but I, I, in my own self, and that sounds terrible, but it's, it's quicker than watching it drown in air. And so he said, if you catch a lake trout, I want you to just, if you're not going to eat it, throw it up on the shore and let it die. And I said, well, why? Why would we do that? Because they're beautiful. I love trout fishing. I'm a fly fisherman. I love trout. And I said, why would we do that? And he said, because they're not native to the rivers and or to the lakes here. They, don't, they are not in rivers, but they're not native to the lakes here. And he said, they're eating all the native fish, specifically the cutthroat trout, which are native and almost exclusively to that area of the country. So he said, because they're eating everything, they're voracious. They have a voracious appetite and they will eat all the babies until all the other trout are no more and then they will die because they have nothing to eat and then there'll be an empty lake. 
So it made a lot of sense. So we went out and we fly fished. And I'll be honest with you, I hoped that I didn't catch one. And I did not. In fact, I don't know on that trip I caught anything. But I hoped I would not catch a lake trout. When I went fly fishing with my son, this is a side note, but when I would go fly fishing with my son, I just told this story the other day because we walked past a point where he was little, he was about six or seven years old, and we were out in maybe knee-deep water to me, maybe up to his belly on him, and we were walking out there, and, and I'm fly fishing, and I'm just doing my thing, and I'm just teaching Josh how to fish real well, and he's out there, and I'm not kidding you, in about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, less than an hour, Josh caught 21 trout. The entire time, I'm taking fish off of his line. And when I had a chance to fly, I would just lay the fly down. Got one, Dad! And I'd be over there. And so I love to trout fish. But my point being this, am I a tree hugger? Maybe and maybe not. Depends on how you define that. What I am is I appreciate what God puts on this planet. I appreciate that everything he put here, he put here on purpose. I'm not cutting something down without reason. I'm not killing anything without reason. There's going to be a reason and there's going to be a good reason. Even though, even when times, and I'm going to move along here in a second, but there's been times when we were building our house 15 years ago, and the county said, if you take down all these trees, then you're going to have to plant more in its place. I was so mad about that. I thought, what? Are you, did you plant trees when you built that county office? You raped the whole land when you built this highway out. Yeah, it wasn't out there 15 years ago. But they, and... At first I was mad, and, but I get it. I don't necessarily like it, but I get it. When we cleared the land on this property here at the church, we had to pay a lot of money. All the oaks that you see out here that are in obvious places that were planted unintentionally, all the oaks, the crepe myrtles, the magnolia trees that are out there, it wasn't because we thought, oh, I got a good idea. Let's put some magnolias here, some oaks there. It's because the county said for every tree you take down over three inches, you're going to plant another one. So we had to pick trees, and we spent somewhere around roughly 60-something thousand dollars on trees to build this building, just to build the building. Because we had to buy all these trees that are all over the property and place them wherever we wanted. They just had to be planted. I get it. Trees serve a purpose. Trees, trees serve a purpose spiritually. Trees serve a purpose naturally. So I appreciate those things. Let's jump into this. So trees are intentional. Everybody say trees are intentional. Turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1 in the First Testament. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 in the English Standard Version. If you're following with a Holy Bible app, it will easily take you to this spot. It reads like this, and it says, On the third day, God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, and each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. God said, and it was so. Everybody say, God said, God said. And, it was so. and it was so. Trees are intentional. Trees are intentional. There is a type of science called dendrochronology. It is the study of trees. It is what they do, that is what it's called when they study the life of a tree, the stories that trees can tell in a very strange way what we're doing today is an act of dendrochronology what i'm teaching today if trees could talk is kind of touching into that a little bit but it is the science of studying trees and their stories they will slice these trees as you know and when you take this tree and everything about today 
is foundational, getting you ready for what's coming next week. So when you slice that tree and you see all those little rings, pretty much everybody over four years old is aware of this, that every little ring in that tree represents a year. Every little ring. So when you go to those rings, it represents something. But what not, what not everyone knows is that the space between those rings tell a story. Depending on the space, it will let you know something. In other words, if you cut a pine and you look at a pine's ring, those rings around a pine will be a little further apart than if you cut a slice out of an oak tree. Reason being is this. A pine tree is not considered a hardwood. When you hear someone, I love oaks. When you hear someone talk about hardwoods, those are the woods that the harder the wood, the slower they grow. This is just the way it is. So the slower they grow, the harder they are, and the rings are closer together. They're closer together. When you get into a pine, they're further apart because they grow so much faster. A pine tree grows a little over a foot per year on average, a pine tree. An oak tree grows a little over two inches a year. Gives you an idea of the difference. So when you look at these things, when you look at an oak tree and you see one that's 50 feet tall, imagine how old that is. You can first assess 50 feet tall, a little over two inches a year. It must be about this age. Pine tree, 50 feet tall, growing a little over a foot a year. It must be about this age. One of the reasons they make telephone poles and lumber out of pine trees is because they can grow them quickly. After about 20 years, they can harvest the tree and they can make the lumber that builds your house and so on and so forth. The oak tree, they're going to have to wait a while. That's why when you go to Lowe's, I'm giving you a lot of information because it's setting you up today. When you go to Lowe's, that's why for a pine board, you might pay four bucks. For an oak board, you might pay nine or ten. Because it's worth more. The value of that tree is worth more because it took longer to get that tree to the place where it could be harvested. And it has more to say because it lived longer. What does that oak board say that the pine doesn't? The oak board says, in all the years that I was here, birds were nesting in my limbs before the pine was ever a sapling in the dirt. Let me tell you about the birds that landed in my limb. Let me tell you about the lizard that crawled up my trunk. Let me tell you about this. Or let me tell you about the farmer that used to be on this land that changed. I'm setting you up today. Do you feel that set up? Let me tell you about the guy that was out there in the barn. And let me tell you about the guy that was driving the Model T. Let me tell you about the guy that now is driving the Tesla. Let me, I can tell you all about that. The pine tree can't. The pine tree can tell you only about those things that have happened recently. So the pine tree doesn't have a history, but the oak tree does. The oak tree does. So these trees that tells you all about it, you slice through that wood, those rings, everything tells you about it. The Bible is full of references to the significance and the importance of trees. And as I said earlier, there is a clear relationship to them. And he, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. He said this, I have a plan. And I do everything intentionally. I'm going to plant some trees. And then I'm going to name them. And then I'm going to say to this tree, you're going to grow this fast. And I'm going to say to this tree, you're going to grow this fast. Because the story I want this tree to tell is going to be different than the story I want this tree to tell. The purpose of this tree is different than the purpose of that tree. Sounds a little bit like you, doesn't it? Every tree in this room was planted intentionally. 
Keep in mind, when we cleared the land on this tree, as I said a moment ago, we were told what trees or how many trees we had to plant. We could select the type of trees that we wanted to plant. So we planted intentionally. Intentionally, we took that tree and we planted it. Right here, we would like an oak. Right here, we would like a magnolia. Right here, we would like a crepe myrtle. Right here, we would like a cypress. Whatever it is that we planted, we intentionally, we specifically said on purpose, this is where we want it. But what about the others? What about the trees that fell from the cones of the pines or the acorns of the oaks? What about the trees that begin to sprout up because the seeds of the trees begin to fall randomly wherever they saw fit to fall and find a place in the soil? Do they have any less purpose than the tree that was planted on purpose? No. In the same way, every tree in this room, every one of you, no matter how you came, you might have been purposed. You might have been planned. Listen to me. If trees could talk. They would say to you, you might have come here, you might exist today because a mama and a daddy said, I want a son or a daughter, or you might exist today because of another reason. But no matter why you exist, it's intentional. Your tree, you the tree, was needed. The earth needed you. Put your hands on yourself. Say, the earth... Needs this tree. Oh, you didn't even say that with conviction because you don't believe it yet. Put your hands on yourself. Say, the earth needs this tree. Okay, what are you going to bring to it? How are you going to care for that tree? What are you going to do with that tree? Daniel chapter 4. Turn there with me. Daniel chapter 4, verse 10. Reads like this, says, the visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I feel a little bit like Daniel because sometimes I'll get up, always when I get up, I'm thinking about things already. I mean, before my eyes even open, I'm, I'm alert. I haven't opened my eyes yet. The alarm has gone off. First, I'm thinking, turn that thing off before it wakes up my wife if she's still sleeping. And then secondly, I'm already thinking about the day before my eyes even open. What's the next thing I'm going to do? So I feel a little bit of Daniel. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heaven lived under its branches. And all flesh was fed from it. I want to focus on a word in here talking about fruit. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold. The next time you see a tree, I want you to see it differently. If for no other reason, for this series' sake. I want you to go out in your yard today or go somewhere and I want you to stare at a tree. And I want you to imagine everything that tree is telling you. I want you to have a conversation with the tree. What? Those people at the rock are weird. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. I saw 
that it was in the midst of the earth, Daniel saw its location. He saw something specific. And he recognized that the tree was great. The height was great. The tree grew and it became strong and its tops reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. He was seeing this tree from every angle. He was evaluating this tree. He was communicating with this tree. Again, I'm not literally encouraging you to go out and say, good morning, tree. What I am encouraging you to do, pay attention. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit, 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 fruit was abundant. And in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it and the birds of the heaven lived in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. I want to say to you this morning, when you think of fruit coming from a tree, you think that the fruit of the tree is the pine cone or the seed in it. It is the acorn. It is the apple. It is the orange. It is the you name it. Whatever comes from a tree. Our first thought when we think of fruit. Always goes back Austin. To those things that, are, that we, we might eat. Not that we eat pine cones or acorns. But we think of those things that comes from the tree. That we might eat. Fruit is more than just that that can be eaten. That comes from a tree. The fruit of the tree might be. What the tree can teach you or show you. Do the fruits of the Spirit come from a tree? That's an honest question. Say it again. Thank you. Not literally. I know everybody's waiting, but it's not literally. The fruit of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit do not come from a tree, yet they're fruit. Because we're identified by that. The fruit symbolizes these are the things that you should see on this tree. Fruit of the tree might be what a tree can teach you. When we, as we enter into this, if trees could talk, it is important that we learn what they might be saying. Let me go to this last scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 22 reads like this. Now the Philistines... Came up once again. David had just, let me give you some background here. David had just, not long before this, had been anointed king. And the Philistines were not happy about it because of, there's a lot of other details that are in there. But the Philistines came up once again, as they had done before, and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of the Lord, the Lord said, You shall not go directly up, but instead I want you to circle around behind the Philistines. And come at them in front of the balsam trees. It shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees. Then you shall act promptly. Then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so just as the Lord had commanded him. And struck down the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Here's the thing that I think is so interesting about this moment. These trees had something to say because the father was going to use them to say something specific to the armies of, to the army of God. He had something he wanted to say. And, and the Lord said to David, when David said, what do you want me to do? Because they have come to fight. The Philistines have come to fight. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you will not go up. Instead, I want you to get behind the balsam trees. Get behind the trees. Now, before the father released his word through the trees, 
David might wonder, why am I getting behind the trees? We can take these folks. We've done it before. We can take these folks. But the father said, get behind the balsam trees. And it will be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the... When the trees start saying, listen, we're providing cover. We're providing cover. Then you will act promptly. For then the Lord will have gone out before you only then before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so just as the Lord had commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geber as far as Gezer. If trees could talk. If trees could talk. As we move into this journey about trees and we begin to consider three particular stories that I'm going to be addressing in the next few weeks. The tree Christ was hanged on the tree Judas hanged himself from, and the fig tree that Christ cursed. Then we're going to dive a little deeper, and we're going to get into the wood that Noah used to build the ark. What is significant? What can that tree say? That tree had a view of both what was under the water and what was above it. The tree Christ hung on was hung on. He did not hang himself. In a, in a sense, that's an argument. He could have gotten off at any moment. The tree Christ was hung on, what would that tree say? If you could have a conversation with it. Would it say, because I was in the forest until yesterday, I saw this day coming. All the years that I was in the field, growing, preparing myself for such a time as this, I saw what was going on around me. And if I could talk, I would say maybe there's another way. The tree Judas hanged himself on. What might that tree say about it being used as the escape point for betrayal? We're going to explore how these things impact you and me. How they will affect us. All throughout scripture, chapter by chapter, Tim, almost every single chapter I can find reference to a tree. If trees could talk, they would tell stories, and if we could learn from them, they would tell us stories that would change everything. Today, whether you believe in climate change or you don't, the climate's changing. Just like it's done throughout history. You have a high a ice age. You have all these different little moments. It, it changes. Climate change. Believe me. Listen. I was just in Montana. It was hotter there than it was here. They're having temperatures they've never had before. The climate's changing. But it was changing before all the reasons that people give us it was changing. But the trees have been trying to tell them that. 
Trees that once grew in the south or grew in the north are now growing in the south. Or grew in the south are now growing in the north. Why? Because the climate's changed. The trees are trying to tell us something. What does this have to do with you and me? Everything. Because everything in creation, Yahweh put there intentionally. And just as a little nugget. If the tree Christ was hung on could talk, it would say, don't burn me when you take him off. Keep me here to tell the story. If the tree could talk to you, it would say, don't look past me. Because without me, there was no crucifixion. For us, for you and me, is we get deeper into what this is. Oh man, there's so much in Daniel I want to jump into. But as we get deeper into what this is, I'm not going to do it today. As we get deeper into what this is, I don't want you to see again Yahweh's creation, any of it, is simply happenstance. But all of it is intentional, beginning with the trees. On the third day, he created the tree because he's looking in every way for a witness of what has been and what is coming. You're that witness. Stand with me. Father, I am thankful today that you are setting us up to draw and to be changed. You are setting us up to see and to consider what we have not. Prepare our hearts. Prepare us for what is to come. Help us today to separate the noise from the truth that you want to show us. Help us, Holy Spirit. Release in this series everything that you want us to learn from it so that you are glorified by it. Today, we've set the foundation. Let what we build on this foundation be built not out of our own thoughts or ideas, but straight out of your heart. So that you are glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I, I love you today.